0: What's up, bingers? We've got a great guest for you today. He's the host and creator of the Up and Vanish podcast, the one and only Payne Lindsay. The Internet's full of true crime podcasts. More and more are added to the list every day. Figuring out where to start or where to go next can be overwhelming. But have no fear, I'm here to help. I'm Bob Ruff, and this is the place to find your next true crime binge.
1: How you been, man? Good. Yourself? Pretty good, man. How's this uh, pandemic world been treating you? Probably just about like everybody else. It's,
0: you know, it's working out. It's a pain in the ass, but, you know, doing, you know, you and I do kind of the same type of work where we're like being in the field and interviewing people and that's been
1: a nightmare. Yeah. It's like they already don't want to talk to you, but they really don't want to talk to you now. (laughs) yeah
0: dude i was just last week i was down in houston working on a case and it's so weird now like knocking on doors to interview people yeah and it's like everybody's wearing masks and nobody invites you in i'm like standing outside in the cold interviewing people because nobody <laughs> wants you in their house it's yeah. weird man it's sketchy <laughs> so what are you working on nowadays are you are you are you, are you i know you've uh you've kind of wrapped season two of up and vanish for now are you working yeah on so else? i've wrapped
1: season two uh, a little bit ago um I've actually started the preliminary research phase of season three. Um, so I found a case that I'm, I'm looking into. Can't really speak to it yet, but, um, it should be a very interesting case and hoping to, you know, put it on this big platform and hopefully crack something, you know, make something good happen. That would be the goal. It's such a, it's such a
0: awesome thing how this has worked out for you, like between, Tara's case and um and Crystal's case too just just by doing nothing else besides publicizing it how much you know how it just breathes new life into these in these old cold
1: cases yeah i mean that, to me that's the main thing that a podcaster can do is put this case on the like uh, in the spotlight again i mean the cases mm-hmm. go cold no one talks about them but if you make a podcast that people are listening to and people are telling their friends about it and they're hearing these different stories it gets people talking again and i feel like when everyone's talking you know the stories can align sometimes and you know the truth it pops out sometimes and we've seen it happen yeah
0: that's fantastic so before we get into these cases i want so th- there's pretty much nobody in the true crime world that doesn't know who Payne Lindsay is is that true the work that you do i think that's true <laughs> <laughs> you know i i on truth and justice i said you know our, our first episode of true crime binge is going to be a well-known podcaster and the most common guess everybody has is, "Ooh, Payne Lindsay, Payne Lindsay, Payne Lindsay." That's hilarious. So, well, that's cool. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, so people know who you are, or they know what you do. Right. What I want to do is let people know who you are. That's cool. I'm with that. Yeah. And, and dig deep into into the the depths of Payne Lindsay's personal life. Let's do that. Um, you know, for example, true or false, prior to being a massive, massively popular true crime podcaster. You were in a boy band.
1: Oh, yeah, I was in a boy band. If you want to call it a boy band, (laughs) I mean, technically it was, but I prefer to call myself a rapper. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I was definitely in a boy band. It was in the 303, uh, the Cobra Starship days. I was making kind (laughs) of rap pop music, and it makes me cringe now when I see it, but uh, (laughs) it was fun, honestly. It was just a creative outlet, and, you know, still figuring it out.
0: It's it's cool. Did you ever? So how did that happen? How did you? How did you? Was that like your band? And like, did you? I know. Yeah. like There's you can you can search up YouTube videos. Of oh like yeah, you can still out like, there. Produced yeah. Music videos. Was it like publishing? Did you ever make any money and from and the, the music into things?
1: Yeah, I did actually. I mean, it it all started because I was I was always big into film and videos, and right out of high school, I started making these parody videos of popular rap songs, and uh, I had a few pretty popular. Uh, videos that were featured on that website college humor and e-bombs world and all those sites that were pretty popular back in the day and uh we started kind of gaining a following my friends and i and uh we just kept making these parody videos and eventually that kind of evolved into actual original music and it was kind of a creative outlet for myself from a video standpoint i would film all the the music videos and it was also uh you know just a creative outlet in terms of making music, whether it was good or not. It was a, uh, you know, it, w- it was a fun time. And, you know, for a period of time in my life in my early 20s, I wanted to be like a a music artist. You know, that was I was really trying uh-huh. to trying to do it. But as I got a little older and hadn't really made any real money and was still working in a restaurant, I decided to take my film career a little more serious and focus mostly on that. So when you launch into season one of of Up and
0: Vanished, I remember because I mean I was listening to that in real time back in, was it twenty sixteen about when that yeah, came yeah it was yep yeah I remember when you when you launched the podcast I was listening like everybody else with bated breath every week and I I remember like at the beginning you you almost you seemed like you kind of identified yourself as as a, as more of a of a TV person as a, as a, as a filmmaker yes uh, more than a than a podcaster so how did the, how did that transition happen how did you go from filmmaker to taking it to a podcast.
1: Well, it's funny because like when I first made Up and Vanished, I was really self-conscious about my voice and all those different things. And I really just didn't identify as a radio or broadcast person or Mm -hmm. a podcaster. Um, Even people like you who had pre-existing true crime podcasts, I I didn't want to feel like a poser or have this, you know, I had this definite imposter syndrome of, i'm I'm not mm-hmm. a podcaster i'm I'm this guy just making a podcast. I, did, I For me, it was some mental thing. Turns out it doesn't really actually matter what you call yourself or or whatever. Right. but I was uh you know it was it was weird for me to go jump into something like telling an audio story because I knew that there were really talented people who've put in years of work in this space. I didn't want to come just marching in and be like, "Yeah, so I do this now." Um, cause I mean, right. I didn't know if it was going to suck or what was going to happen, but you know, I just tried to make something that I wanted to listen to that I would enjoy. And, um, yeah, I just, uh, didn't really view myself as a podcaster, but turns out, I mean, I guess I am at this point.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think anymore, anybody w- with, uh, an iPhone can be a podcaster. I mean, Absolutely. Like. Literally right, every week there's a million new podcasts being added. Yeah, which is I think one of the cool things about this space is that it is. you know literally anyone can do it, and if it's good, it'll take off. Yeah, exactly. And you even went through if I, I mean, you and I don't know if you. Well, I'm going to make you talk about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but kind of that what you were just saying, like like hearing from you, you that you didn't really see yourself as a podcaster. That kind of got you into a little beef for a few for a, a couple minutes with some of the other it true did. crime
1: podcasters. It totally did. Uh totally blew up in my face. It totally backfired <laughs> fucking big time. I, I so I mean, <laughs> my business partner, Donald, he also is not a podcaster, quote unquote. He came from the music industry. We worked together doing music videos for some pretty popular artists, and he was burnt out on the the music space, and I was burnt out on the music video space. And so he kind of he he partnered with me on Up and Vanished and we made Tenderfoot, which is our company slash network of podcasts now. But uh, at the first podcast movement conference, one of us had this idea of wearing uh, (laughs) these shirts that said, I'm not a podcaster. And it was just a total like, (laughs) let's just disrupt this place and be like, you know, we're not podcasters. What the hell are we doing here? And we just kind of thought it was fun (laughs) and silly. And, you know, I had this uh, little, I had like a speech speech, that I did, I was, I had like a keynote thing and it was called, I'm not a podcaster. And there was a bunch of fellow podcasters there. And the speech itself that I gave was really, I thought was pretty respectful to all those, uh, fellow true crime podcasters alike. And, um, you know, there was a few lines that were taken out of context, a little bit that I said, uh-huh. or maybe not even out of context, it just things that I said, uh, not directly quoting myself, but I said something along the lines of, you know, I listened to serial and I really liked it, and I couldn't find anything else like it. And right. there was a void there. And so I wanted to make that podcast. I didn't mean that every podcast in the true crime space sucked, it just right. wasn't serial. Like they were just yeah. literally different formats, different kinds of storytelling. And, uh, you know, I think everyone would agree that Serial was like a innovation in the way we tell stories in podcasting and, you know, is one of those landmarks. So it just kind of got confused and (laughs) some people threw some shade towards me. And, you know, it was the first time my first year in this space. And I thought I was just having fun. But, you know, everyone was was not having it. They, They didn't want me to have fun. But uh, most yeah, of the people yeah. that I beefed with uh, were usually were, we're all pretty cool now, I think. So, But yeah, it's definitely gotten twisted over the years of like what really happened that weekend and all kind of weird shit.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, because I wasn't there. And yeah. And
1: it's funny. I'll, I'll circle back to why I
0: wasn't there because it's exactly the same reason you were wearing those T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, like I know, like like Robbie was a was a Robbie Chaudry was was like in the beef, she was she there was she was one. in the audience. Yep, yeah, and uh, I talked. I work with Robbie a lot, yeah. and and she's one told me say so, you should get a hold Payne and have him on the podcast. I'm like, you guys are, are you uh, sure? Uh, yeah, You guys are you guys are cool now? Or? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, oh yeah, Pain's we had great. like, like some Twitter
1: beef back in 2016 or 17, which just sounds so <laughs> stupid when I even say that. Um And but I,
0: Robbie is so good at Twitter beefs though
1: yeah she'll crush you, um yeah right. yeah she'll make you really look yourself in the mirror and, and question if you're a good person or not um yeah she uh we got into it a little bit, but I think it's all good now we we were on a, a panel together recently, and we emailed back and forth a little bit, and I've seen her a handful of times at all these different events, and we have the some of the same friends and we're in the same circle, so I think it's mostly all good at this point, yeah, she loves you now she told me she
0: said she she told me to reach out to you, but you know the um the whole podcast movement thing was such a weird thing for me. So I went to well, we met you and I met at the first Crime Con in Yes, that's right. Yep. And it was like, and that was like, you know, that was our jam, right? It was all true crime podcast people, and, yeah. and we're all the same, and we all hung out and had drinks and met all the people, yeah. and it was like, just felt in my element. And the, I went to a podcast movement because I was nominated for some award. And I was thinking it was going to be that same thing. And when I went out there, I have never felt more like a fish out of water <laughs> yeah. in my life. And I, I remember telling my wife exactly what your shirt said. I said, "I'm not a podcaster. I don't. I don't.
1: <laughs> you know, what I is this with yeah. these people?
0: <laughs> and no, and no. You know, not saying anything negative about, sure. about everyone that was there, but it's it's like the true crime podcast group is a different animal. Then your tip. it was like everyone was like everyone was like hipsters and talking. You know, they were talking about their audio, their audio software, and their microphone. Oh yeah, just going <laughs> on and on and all. and it was like I walked in thinking like, well, I'm you know, cause especially you know at the time my podcast was really blowing up, and I was like, I'm gonna walk in there and be like, oh look at this, here's Bob Ruff. Nobody <laughs> give a shit. In the flesh, nobody knew who I was. Wow, <laughs> yeah. it's so funny. I was just yeah. sitting in the corner like I don't belong here. So I definitely understand <laughs> the sentiment that you had. Oh, totally. Had, bad, bad. totally. <laughs> so, so tell me a little bit about your personal life. I, if if I remember correctly, didn't you get married during season one of Up and Vanish, or am I thinking of someone
1: else? I um, did. So it was probably episode, I want to say three or four. It was super early on. It was just kind of bubbling up. It wasn't super popular yet, but it was. it had reached beyond my own personal network of friends and family. It was getting you know, tens of thousands of downloads. And that was really crazy and cool to see that mm-hmm. other people I didn't know were liking and listening to this. But yeah, I I I kind of regret it now, but I mean, not really, because I, I would have rather have been just open and honest with my listeners. Uh, but I was, I you know, I said at the end of one of the episodes that, you know, I'm actually getting married next week. So I'm taking the week off or whatever. And so people who know I'm married obviously know from that and I think she's like in the podcast in the background two or three times throughout the season Uh, but I've actually since been divorced and we actually got we got divorced almost exactly a year later and really we had been together for seven eight years Mm -hmm. before that so it wasn't just like a completely short relationship it was one of those things where we just shouldn't have gotten married and we did it I had one of those practice marriages uh, almost. Did you? <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, it happens, yeah. you know, it sucks, but it happens. Right. Uh, so what's <laughs> yeah. personal
0: like look like now? Are you, are you remarried? You got a new lady in your life or what's things looking like now? Uh,
1: definitely not married. Um, I mean, I'm down to get married again in the future, just not right, right. now. <laughs> I've really just kind of spent most of my time the last couple of years focusing on building this business and just trying to make really good content and push myself. Um, I've dated some, but, um, Right now, I'm kind of in a phase where I'm really just focusing on work. But you know, I'm obviously open to always meeting new people and that kind of thing. So. so, you heard it here first, ladies. He's a uh, he's a
0: bachelor. He's available. <laughs> yeah, Painless. That's Lindsay. not. That's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh,
0: so your business has really, uh, you, you know, because you, you your voice is on up and Vanish, But your your uh, the engine of Tenderfoot TV is behind. A lot of projects. I mean, I know that you, for one, you you and I both had a similar experience where our podcast got taken on to not only TV, we were both on the Oxygen Network. Yeah. Yep. Now, when you, your special, the Up and Vanish special on Oxygen, did you, so I had a producer- Credit, you know, I learned in that business What, you know, what that means There was a whole oh, bunch yeah. of producers that didn't know They're pretty stingy about those, aren't yeah. they?
1: <laughs> didn't know what the hell It'll just pass those out
0: <laughs> right. yeah. Now, did you actually produce? Because you uh, because with this filmmaking background you have Did you actually produce your show?
1: Yes, yeah, so, I mean, I was an executive producer on the show And I was the creator of the show And I was also in the show Because it was basically like a Catfish meets Up and Vanish Where I'm actually knock on these doors and stuff on camera. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say that I had the option of giving as much creative input as I wanted, mm-hmm. but, uh, it didn't mean that they always took it. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, it was, uh, it was definitely a learning experience. I don't want to talk bad about anybody, but it was definitely stressful. And I was in a bunch of uncomfortable situations that I'll, I'll never want to be in again. Mm-hmm. Just having to deal with real people and then all these frustrating people on the production side. Um, but yeah, I was an EP and, you know, I, I had a say in a, in a lot. But, um, you know, I'd say for the most part, it was just a, a positive learning experience looking back mm-hmm. and uh, going forward, I'll, I'll just try to apply what I learned and, you know, what I didn't like about the experience and try to make a better one for myself and make a better show. So,
0: Yeah, I mean, I had similar stuff where I had some input until I didn't. You know, and it was, you <laughs> sure, know, yeah. yeah. You know, I, I had, oh, yeah. I had a great team I worked with, but it is, it, it was frustrating for me for a number of reasons. One, just because I have a certain way, you know, of, you know, I'm kind of known for getting people to talk as you know, much as you are, getting people to talk, who's sure, who yeah. talking to other people and there's a certain yeah. way of doing that. And it's like the camera crew and everything, you know, and it just, you know, in, in dealing with people's emotions, it was one thing I didn't really like where yeah. I was like, you know, give them a, give them a break. They're fucking, they're upset.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's like, once you start meddling with that and you're the face of it and you're kind of there. Yeah, there was a lot of uncomfortable situations like that, that I was trying to just little fires I was putting out throughout the mm-hmm. way that was that were very frustrating. But um, yeah, I mean, I think the end result was, was pretty good. I mean, I think that we we did make some headway on some of these cases in real life. But uh, overall, you know, they, they asked, they asked if I wanted to do it again. And I said no. So, oh, so you turned it down for was another at. season
0: <laughs> of Up and Vanished. I did, yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. So is there going to be, uh, is it something you're, you're pitching to other networks or you're going to try to do yourself or are you done with the TV part of it for now?
1: So, I mean, um, I don't, at at this point in time, I don't envision there being another version of the Up and Vanish show in the unscripted space where uh-huh. kind of the way we did it before. Um, but what I would like to see if it works out down the road is some sort of scripted adaptation Either in a TV series or uh, a scripted movie um, mm-hmm. with the title Up and Vanished about a podcaster who's solving, uh, you know, a cold case, which would be really cool. Right. I think um, there's a lot of uh, unique stories that we've covered thus far, and I th- I think a, a a scripted adaptation of that could be really cool. But uh, you know, it's everything in Hollywood takes forever, and we've we've had a, a bunch of cool meetings with people, even actors and stuff. But you know. If it works out, it works out. But um, yeah, that that would be where I want to see it go in the TV space is something scripted. That would be, neat. You, know,
0: um, you know, who really nailed that is I'm sure you're, you're familiar with it is Mindhunter. Oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah. A great version of that where it's. Yeah, John I mean, Cougu's sure. Story. That that would be a great example. Mindhunter, uh, True Detective, something mm-hmm. like that. Right. That, I mean, that would be just premium scripted TV I, to me is the Holy Grail. And that would be really cool to take one of my podcasts and turn it into a show like that. That'd be awesome. That'd be cool. So,
0: so can, you, can you tell me a little bit about your background leading up to, so you were, you know, you were into music and you were into filmmaking. Do you have an educational background in that or is it self-taught or, you know, so as, 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 as Payne Lindsay's leaving high school, what was your journey from there to, you know, up
1: in Vanity season one? Man, it was definitely a messy journey. I uh I wasted a lot of my dad's money going to different colleges. Uh <laughs> no none of them were very cool either. They were just some local colleges. There was a a technical college that I went to uh in my hometown and they had a kind of like a film degree. It was like an entertainment technology degree. So I was I was working on that for a little bit and then I I, I stopped and s- switched to something else and went to another community college and Uh, eventually I, I finally ended up failing one of my classes and my dad called me one day and was like, that's it. You're cut off. We're no longer paying for your college. And I was dead broke at the time I was living with my friend in this really shitty, gross apartment. And, uh, I was like, Oh shit, what do I do now? (laughs) And, uh, so I, I started taking the, the music thing a little more seriously. And for a couple of years, cranked out a bunch of. Uh, original music and music videos and even did a couple pretty big live shows that were really fun. And uh, eventually I kind of just got burnt out. I I was tired of being broke all the time Mm -hmm. and I just did not want to be a starving artist. I I just despised being that. And so I decided to take my filmmaking a little more seriously and I quit my day job as a server one day. I think I was 24 and I just quit put in my two weeks notice and I bought a little office space and I started doing videos for other people. And I was literally, I had ads on Craigslist. I was doing videos for like a hundred dollars, like totally like ridiculous. Um, so many crazy stories doing that stuff. Eventually, um, I met some pretty cool people. One of them was my future business partner, Donald. And, uh, he had a artist named August Alcina. He's like a singer rapper, um, who was, kind of blowing up at the time and I did one video for them for super cheap in New Orleans and the the label loved it they loved it and then uh a few weeks later I was doing some huge big budget video for Def Jam and August Alsina and I basically oh, nice. for the next several years worked alongside August and uh Donald who's my business partner now making all of his music videos and kind of creating the entire visual presence for this person and then even that over time was kind of Becoming draining, and I, I think what was bothering me the most, and I didn't even realize at the time, was I I was missing making my own stuff. I was tired of just shooting a video for a rapper or an artist, and then just being like, "Okay, that's it, um, on to the mm-hmm. next one." I, I do this, I make this really cool special thing for this artist, and then they become super successful, and I I just got to go find another one. It was just always kind of this. Right. Chasing a check mentality, and it was getting old. And um, you know, I wanted to. I'd watched uh, the Jinx, and I'd watched Making a Murderer. Both those documentaries back to back in my apartment. And I was sitting there like, man, why don't I just make something like this? Why, why am I not trying to do this? Like, I'm a filmmaker. I I feel like I know how to do this. Why don't I go find a a cold case, some true crime story, and just start filming stuff, recording stuff, and make a documentary out of it. You know? Like Mm -hmm. I I feel like I can do that. And so quickly I I started trying to find ideas and then it got to the point where I was like, man, I I really don't wanna do this the wrong way. I don't I don't wanna have to raise money to film this. I don't wanna have to shoot it super low budget and it be years before anyone takes this seriously. How about I make a podcast because I can do that from my living room and Mm -hmm. it's relatively cheap to produce and i just if that works then the rest will just fall into place that was my mentality and so i took the podcast very seriously from the name of it the cover um the case the music the editing i tried to build something that was cinematic and captivating while also kind of pushing my limits of comfortability as a amateur investigator and just tried to make something that people would want to listen to and something that was actually going to make a difference if possible in this real case which was tara grinstead's missing person case and um that's that's where i ended up so i I probably spent about six months working on up and vanish before i released it and then about six months after release it was getting millions of downloads and the rest is kind of i mean history i guess So were you a big true crime guy before that?
0: I mean, were you, were you watching those documentaries to get ideas or were you just into true crime?
1: I mean, it's like, I feel like there's like two different types of people in the true crime world. Mm -hmm. I I I view myself as just like a, your run of the mill true crime viewer or listener where you, I just, I just like premium true crime documentaries. Now I also like uh, some of the cheesy stuff too. Like I, the forensic files and uh-huh. stuff like that. I mean, so I've always been into that. I think there's something about the the mystery and not knowing um, right. what's happened and trying to solve it and feeling this little spark inside that maybe you can do something about it. Um, so I've always kind of had that, but not in some like obsessive, like I love true crime way, but just mm-hmm. like in a healthy, like, you know, I like a good mystery way. And that's kind of how I, it's kind of how I've always been, you know? Sure. So how so how did you find Terra's case? Did you
0: go out searching for a cold case? Obviously, at that point, nobody knew what you were doing, so no one's submitting stuff to you. How did you How did you land on Terra's case?
1: Well, I, I was looking for something, a case that was in my own backyard somehow. I didn't have any money or real resources, so I was looking for an unsolved case that was really in my home state, which is Georgia. Mm-hmm. And so one of the biggest unsolved uh, disappearances was Terry Grinstead from South Georgia. And I was kind of loosely familiar with the general area. My, my mm-hmm. grandma's from Tifton. My dad grew up in Albany. And they're all these, they're all Southern towns in Georgia. So I was kind of familiar with the general area and the way the people are. And uh, the whole thing just gave me the creeps. I, I just really right. had no clue what happened. And it was just mind-blowing to me that it'd been over a decade and they had literally no idea what happened. And her cell phone was inside, the door was just locked. She, it's like she literally vanished out of her house and was never seen again. It was so crazy. So, I, I honestly, I felt drawn to it in, in a weird way. And logistically, it, it was making sense. And it didn't take long before I made a few phone calls and realized that my my grandma herself was like best friends was someone who was one of the last people to see Tara alive. And that was super early on in my investigation. And I think that was the tipping point for me to say, okay, I think I'm going to continue doing this. Because at, at that time, I didn't even know what I was doing. I didn't know right. where this was going or how long this was going to take. But it, at that point, I was like, all right, this, I'm going to keep going. Wh- whatever happens, I'm not sure, but this, this feels right. And that's what I did. I just kept going.
0: You know, that was an interesting time in the in the field in true crime podcasting because it was, you know, true crime podcast, you know, guys like Aaron and Justin with Gen Y have been around for a long time. But these these long form investigative podcasts, you know, Serial, I'm sure there was others out there, but Serial was like the impetus of that. Sure. And then the couple of years following that, 2015, 2016, when you and I kind of both got our start, it was like it just caught me when you said I didn't really know what I was doing, but none of us did. There there was no, there was no format, you know, like now somebody, you know, even us, even me, when I'm starting a new season, I'll be looking like, well, what other podcasts are popular? What kind of format do they use? What kind of sound design do they have? And you can like look at this, you know, I can, I can go look it up and vanish and, and, and see how you kind of piece it together. But when you were starting out, that, that just wasn't there. Like you either, there was serial a bunch of amateurs that were, you know, like myself that were just learning as we go. And then you get into the space and start doing it. And then it, it almost feels like you're, for me, I'm into film quite a bit too. So like, I can feel that like filmmaker vibe to the way that you made the podcast where you have a, you could almost, if you were watching it, you could almost see the B roll, you know, where you're, where you're sure. changing voices a lot. And it was yeah. just cool that you made something that, that blew up. I think it blew up for two reasons. The production was great. And, and all of a sudden, uh, this 10-year-old cold case, you got crazy movement in it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. It's funny that you said that we all didn't know what we were doing because it's totally true. But I remember looking back on it, though. I mean, it's one of those things where I-, I remember seeing your podcast, but I assumed that you, this guy does know what he's doing, right? Like I looked at everyone else's podcast. I, I was like, I was all doing. these guys, they all know what they're doing. I'm the one who doesn't right. know what he's doing. And yeah. we we probably just all felt that way about each other, but, you know, just goes to show you. <laughs> yeah. There's so many of us,
0: of us out there, you know, and now it's like the space has changed a little bit. You know, there's, there's a bunch of guys like us that are still in, the, still in the space and still going, but then now it's like all of a sudden, like big media has like figured out that this is a cool space to be in. And now, you know, headline news and CNN and NBC news and all these big, massive production houses are now getting in and, and making podcasts.
1: Yeah, it's a very congested space now. It, there's a lot going on and yeah, I feel like it yeah. the to get a podcast off the ground now I think it is a lot harder. It's still possible, but I think it's a oh, lot harder because sure. it's just
0: there's just so much stuff out there. I have so many and that's one of the reasons I started this show is to, you know, to introduce people to new, po- you know, you know, big popular podcasts but also new podcasters that are just starting out because it is so hard to for a new podcast to find any Any light in that space right now, because it's like you said, it's it's so congested and I love it. I I mean, some of those big productions are fantastic, but I love it when an independent content creator like just rises above the fray. And, you know, when, when you when you see, you know, an up and vanish ranked above the, you know, Dirty John or something and it's
1: like, ha, I did that
0: in my basement. And you
1: guys spend Oh, it's the coolest, man! Yeah, it's like all that money, all all that power—you know—behind the, the big infrastructure doesn't matter. Here's this guy by himself or girl by him, by herself making a hit podcast. That's the coolest part about it, right? Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. And uh, so, I, I do want to get into
0: talking about your season two case real quickly, though. Um, just, I'm I'm sure a lot of people have already heard it, but if anybody hasn't, in season one, you have the the disappearance of Tara Grinstead. That ends with uh, two guys, Bo Dukes and Ryan Duke, being arrested for the for the case. Now I haven't followed it much since then. Mm-hmm. Have
1: if they had trials and been convicted, or where does that stand legally? It's been the longest, most drawn out court process I think I've ever seen. They Ryan has still not stood trial for the murders. There's been just all these mm-hmm. different motions filed. I think that right now his defense attorney. Is trying to get the state to pay for the defense. You know, I I keep, I have no idea. I have no idea why it's taking so long. I think it's ridiculous. Hopefully in 2021, God forbid 2022, this trial happens and some more truth comes to light and, you know, somebody pays for it. But as of right now, it's still in limbo. Right. So- definitely check out season
0: one to get that whole story because that's I I didn't want to get too much into it because it's such a journey because you're you're hearing throughout the course of season one we get to hear a a real-time investigation happening which is cool to hear as it's happening but we're also hearing you grow and learn how to be a podcaster and grow and learn how to be a journalist and an interviewer and you you know so it's 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 too cool of a process to listen to to just Spoil it all out here. Now, season two. On the other hand, you had your shit together then already <laughs> uh, when you started. <laughs> I hope Not so. You didn't have your shit together <laughs> in season one, but uh, I hadn't listened to season two. Uh, I, but I, I've been over the last two days starting to binge through it, and yeah. it, it's very well done. Uh, this one is the disappearance of Crystal Ann Reisinger Is that yep. am I saying that right? Yep. And she's a missing persons case out of Colorado. Yeah. So now. With this case, now everybody knows who Payne Lindsay is. You're, you investigate cold case disappearances. How did you come across this case? Did you find it, or did someone come to you?
1: So, it's um, it's actually something I don't know if I've ever officially commented on because I was told not to, but um, I think it's been long enough now. It doesn't really matter. But um, I mean, this is a tiny in the middle of nowhere town in mm-hmm. Colorado called Crestone. And there's just a few hundred residents here. It's up against the mountains. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Um, but it's mm-hmm. way off the grid. And you would never know about this place unless somebody took you there or told you about it. Right. So my uncle is actually actually lives here. He lives in this town. I, I, I've been here Man. before, years ago when I was younger. And over Christmas one year, he told me about uh, a girl who'd gone missing from Crestone. And I was like, bullshit. Like no one goes missing from Crestone. Right. He's like, "Oh no, there was a a girl who's missing from Crestone." I was like, "That doesn't make any sense." There's like 200 people there. How's that possible? Right. It's one of the. It's one of those people. Right. Um, it's one of those other 199. And, <laughs> right. Right. So oh, yeah. I uh, was immediately interested and intrigued by the fact that someone went missing from Crestone at all. And I did my own research, and sure enough, I found a few articles from a Denver news station. And I texted my uncle and I said, Hey, this is gonna be the, the subject of my season two of Up and Vanished, just FYI. And he kind of became uh my ace in the hole. And uh I didn't tell anybody that he was my uncle and that was kind of an agreement we had uh-huh. and he knew everybody. He was like the gatekeeper of Crestone and he everybody loved him. Yeah, and it was uh it was a bizarre, sad, uh really intense experience. But um, I think we did end up finding who was likely involved in her disappearance and, and, and talking to them. You know, it's just a matter of them getting caught and being put in prison. So, right. What a cool. And, and the background of that's awesome that you were able to,
0: especially there's So as someone who, you know, I work cold, not cold cases, but wrongful convictions. And one of the most difficult parts of my job every season is selecting the next case. You know oh, yeah. You have. You know, we're always looking. We get constant submissions and jail mail. You know, every, every day I go to the post office, I got a stack of jail mail that big, and trying just to filter through everything. And God, I would love it if I had an uncle that lived. <laughs> it was like, hey man, this guy over here, he needs, you know, he needs some help. Yeah. Um, so that's awesome. You had that connection. It made
1: too much sense. We it, it felt like the stars were aligning again, and and sure. also again there was some sort of. You know, bizarre family connection, which I, I felt good about.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. So um, can you give us kind of the, the basic beats of of Crystal's case?
1: Yeah, so um, she went missing in July of 2016. And uh, the first rumor that was that came out was that she went missing from a drum circle um, at the top of this hill on the mountain at Crestone. Which, by the way, the the whole
0: drum circle thing is so – it was a cool <laughs> yeah. kind of cold open into the podcast of you walking into this drum circle. But it's like, – Yeah. The weird stuff that's going on there, and then we find out that there's only 200 people in the town, it's like, is the whole town? Yeah. Like, I shouldn't say weird. I'm sure there's people that will be would be offended by that because people that are into the – for me, uh, you know, meeting on the full moon and drumming and smoking weed for hours and hours I- at night altogether is uh, – is is strange it sounds like the whole town's almost involved in it
1: yeah it's a diff, it's a different lifestyle altogether everyone is uh very free-spirited and uh they live their life differently and uh crystal was one of those but um you know within all that peace and love there was a, a bad egg in there there was somebody who wanted to harm people and um you know he got away with it but uh crystal went missing and you know we quickly found that She likely was not last seen at the drum circle, and that rumor was probably started by some of the uh, persons of interest, actually. But um, yeah, before long, a few key names surfaced that became, I I would say, the primary persons of interest in this case. And uh, I'm not sure how far you made it in the podcast yet, but I'd say about halfway through. Have you met Catfish yet? Oh yeah,
0: I'm I've I just finished the second episode of You Talking to Catfish and it's some of the most riveting podcasting I've ever heard. It's just just listening to that insane conversation.
1: I mean, it will really make your brain break. It makes no sense what's going on. It will hurt your head. Um yeah, I don't know how I did that for so long. But uh yeah, he says a lot of weird stuff and um it doesn't all make sense you know you can if you look at if you analyze it it doesn't look good and and this is the person who was the last to see crystal alive and he admitted that and that's a that's a fact um but yeah all the i don't know what the explanations are for all of his odd behavior after the fact and he also has no remorse for you know or doesn't even feel bad that she's gone or missing doesn't even care that's also strange. <laughs> yeah, the, the, I, I felt like those that,
0: those phone conversations were were definitely telling a little bit. But then again, I I was thinking as I'm listening to it, like, how is Payne even doing this? I can't I can't track right what he's saying. Like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? I have no idea.
1: Yeah, I mean, half the yeah. time I was just I, I didn't have any idea, and I would even catch stuff that I missed on my second listen back. Like, oh wow, that's what he said there. But yeah, uh, right. he, he's just really kind of in a way, intimidating to talk to because he just, he's the kind of person who just steamrolls the conversation and just, you know, is, will easily fly off the rails and then all of a sudden be really cool and calm, then say some weird fucked up shit, and you're like, what is going on with you, man? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Like, you're always kind of walking on eggshells. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he willingly talked to me, and I think that, I think he hung himself. Um, you know, even if uh, there haven't been any arrests made, in Crystal's case, I know that one day there will be, and I think that for Crystal's friends and family, the people who were likely involved, I think the podcast helped expose their character on the show, and Mm -hmm. that was validating to them, and it got a a whole bunch of other people, too, millions of listeners uh, behind them, too, with with their support, and they were were able to do a GoFundMe for Kasha, which is Crystal's daughter, so she can have school money and stuff Mm -hmm. like that, so... You know, as much as it does break my heart, that there hasn't been any real movement in the court of law. I think that uh, it will happen one day and the police know who they're focused on. And so all it takes is one little mess up and, you know, all the cards fall. Right.
0: And so if you had contact with law enforcement, you know, when you wrap your investigation, have you like turned stuff over to them to help them move on?
1: Yeah. So I, um... I kind of made friends with a CBI agent, which is the Colorado Bureau of Investigation, mm-hmm. uh, early on, and he was he didn't want to be in the podcast, but he was open to talking with me and kind of sharing some information back and forth. And so I would right. run things by him behind the scenes and pass him stuff that I would find throughout the whole process. And it was funny, actually one time we the first time I met him, we drove to this office in the middle of nowhere and we were in this conference room by ourselves. And catfish called me right there, and I just answered it on speakerphone, and we talked for like an hour. It was really bizarre, but uh yeah, that was a real thing that happened. with the cbi agent sitting right there, yes, yes, God, that's awesome. The investigation
0: is is great i don't want to spoil to it's, it's one of these th- things where you know I want to dig into the case a little bit, but I also don't want to spoil it because' you sure, get yeah. some, um there's a lot of a lot of revelations you go through you know you mentioned the to me it was it was very serial to undisclosed um mm-hmm. except for it was like the story everyone heard and then you investigating and, and exposing it so like in serial you had you know the the wrestling tournament that was that that was that day mm-hmm. and then undisclosed podcast comes out later and like it took a little bit of digging and they're like there was no wrestling match so right literally right. everything you think happened doesn't matter and you sort of do the same thing here where you know it's, it's all it's all about this drum circle and she was at the drum circle and the killer must be in the drum circle, and then you go start digging in a little bit. It's like, no, actually,
1: actually, no. Maybe what? What if the drum circle has no part in this? Then, then what? Then who? Yeah,
0: right. And it's like, then it just opens up because now that you're not tied to. And I feel like sometimes investigators will will get like, like in that case where they're tied to. Well, it must be this, and they're just and they yeah. just keep going back to that same well and can't find an answer. And it's like, well, if we get out of that well, maybe the answer's over here
1: somewhere. Yeah, you got to be super objective, and it's easy to get caught up in one particular idea or instance and, you know, have that nag at you. But, yeah, I mean, I I always try to stay as open as possible and just use my instincts as best as I can. But it didn't take long at all for us to realize that she probably wasn't even there at all. And that was a shocker to even family. So, yeah,
0: it's really good work, both season one and season two of Up and Vanish. Check those out. Uh, You said you're still working. Do you have any idea on a potential release date for season three?
1: This year sooner than later So not like at the very end of the year But this year And then once I can tell you more I'll I'll, I'll hop back on and tell you, tell you some more details <laughs> Oh fantastic I'll
0: definitely have you come back <laughs> on And share a little bit about season 3 The podcast is Up and Vanish He's Payne Lindsay. Check him out if you haven't already Could be your next true crime binge Payne thanks so much for joining
1: me buddy Thanks dude Have a good one